I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so last we talked, we were discussing Rise of the Eldrazi. Um, and I started talking about some cards, and I, I will continue doing some card stories. Um, okay. Oh, first, first let me begin, by the way. I realized that last podcast I made a mistake, which I did not realize. One of the things I do sometimes is I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pull into the, my parking space, and then I'll turn it off, and then I'll think about what I said, and then I'll go, wait a minute! So I talked about the, um, the uh, level-up creatures, about whether or not we decided to have them go up or down, whether or not the power and toughness was higher up, and then as you leveled up, you went down and improved, or you started low and it went up. And we fought back and forth which way it went, and uh, I implied last time that it went up, which it didn't. It went down, which I figured out uh, like three seconds after I finished. But I liked my last podcast, so I decided not to retape it. Um, that was the, For those not in the know, what will happen is I'll do a podcast, and I'm not happy, I'll redo it. And the one you heard last time was my third take on, the, on Rise of Eldrazi, and I was finally happy with it. Um, and so, anyway, I made a mistake uh, uh, I, I'm fallible, for those that haven't figured that out. Okay, next, Awakening Zone. So Awakening Zone is a green enchantment, two and a green. And beginning of upkeep, you get a spawn. So one of the things that was a big player, so I talked about this last time, that um, Brian wanted to do mana crystals. They were too close to poison, so we ended up doing, um, they called them mana bots for a while. Uh, we, they eventually got turned into Eldrazi Spawn. Although in R&D, the, the people that were around at the time, um, like I know Eric Lauer still calls them mana bots. Um, anyway, the, um, we, they ended up being a pretty crucial part of the design because what happened was they were in the set to fuel um, Eldrazi, to get Eldrazi out. But the interesting thing is um, that they ended up having another function, or multiple other functions. So... For example, uh, you could use them... There were strategies in this environment where you would beef them up, where you would get a whole bunch of spawn, and then you could turn them on and attack. So there was a strategy where you overran people with spawn. Um, there were some strategies where you were just buying time, and the spawn wasn't you casting things with them. They just For every spawn you made is one less creature that hit you. So it's just a means to prevent stuff. Um, there was aura strategy, so sometimes you could build up your spawn and make them bigger. And anyway, the, the spawn ended up being very, very interesting. And so this was definitely one of those one of those cards that, like, making a spawn. Oh well, it could go in a ramp deck, but it also could go in a more uh, a wider deck where you're attacking with lots of creatures, or go in a deck where you're stalling. So it was an interesting card. And then this card actually went in a lot of different archetypes. It wasn't just one archetype because the spawns went in so many different archetypes. Um, so one of the things that when you're designing that's really important is whenever you can find an aspect of your design that has dual function, or, or you know, multiple function, more, more than two sometimes, uh, that's really good. Um, and that if you can make something that people have different ways to use it, it just broadens, it allows you to take a singular idea and a singular mechanic and just gives you more depth. And so one of the things that I think Rise of Drazi did well is the different things, the different components of it could mix and match and give different strategies. Uh, and one of the reasons that is a very beloved draft set is there are a lot of different ways to play the cards. That even though the cards do the same thing, when mixed and matched in different ways, cards become, they have different values to them. And it's something Magic is good at in general, but it's particularly good in Rise of the Eldrazi, especially in Limited. Next is Balaged Scorpion. 
3B, 2-3 Scorpion, ETB, destroy a creature with power 1 or less. Um, so, one of the things that Brian did, or Brian's team did, um, and, and development, uh, was in order to make this battle cruiser magic, in order to allow the big things to come out, there was a lot of aggression early on to destroy small things. And this is a good example that, as you'll see, there's a lot of, like, play early and deal with early threats so that you can get to the later threats. Uh, and cards like this are, are a good example where it's very, very good with dealing with early threats, but not particularly bigger threats. So it, it slows down the environment without stopping um, the bigger thing of being created. It also uh, encourages you to sort of level up your guys or to get enchantments on your guys. You know, there definitely were smaller creatures that could get bigger, and because you knew this was around, you wanted to you know, waste no time to make your guys bigger. Because there were a lot of level, lot of level up guys started with one power, and they turned into something pretty awesome. But if the scorpion came before you got them, you know, out of the range, the scorpion could take care of them. Um, also, by the way, because of that, the scorpion was valuable not just early game, but later game. Sometimes that if you could bring out your your level up guy or bring out some creature that you planned to buff, and the scorpion could come out then. It, it was useful later in the game. It wasn't just useful. There were, there were more things that had one power uh, than normal. Also, by the way, it could destroy spawn. That was another thing that was able to get rid of spawn. Okay. Baneful Omen. 4BBB. It's an enchantment. Beginning of your upkeep, uh, beginning of your upkeep, you reveal your top card, and then all opponents lose life equal to converted mana cost. Um, so this card, I think, was inspired uh, what we call Bob. What's Bob's real name? Um, uh, Bob Marr won uh, one of the Invitationals and made a card called... What is Bob actually called? Um, it's a black creature. Uh, see, this, is, this, is, this is where uh, my inability to recall names comes out to haunt me. You guys are screaming right now because it's a very, very famous card. Um, it'll come to me. Anyway, that was a card in which you played... You revealed the top card of your library. You got to put it in your hand, but you lost life equal to it. Um... And this card was definitely turning that on its ear. It's like, well, I'm going to reveal cards, and instead of my, me losing life, I'm going to make you lose life. Now, I don't get the card, um, but I do get a... It does allow me to put big, powerful things in my deck. Um, and definitely one of the themes of Rise of the Drazi is we want you to play with big, expensive cards. And this card says, come on, big, expensive cards can do big things. The other thing you'll notice is we said to all opponents not just to a, an, an, an opponent, which is definitely a sign of us thinking more about multiplayer play, that this is the kind of card that, oh, if I'm playing in a game of Commander or something, oh, that this thing can, you know, really have a huge impact on, on all, the whole, the, all the players, not just a singular player. Next, Battle Rampart. So it's a wall, a red wall, for 2R, it's a 1-3, got Defender, and tap, target creature gains haste. Okay, let me have my, my red wall rant. I, I, I think I teased this at uh, my first podcast. So one of the things that um, development... Well, one of the things that design had done a little bit and then development ended up playing up more was having this wall theme, a Defender Matters theme. Um, and so for some reason, just the space where it ended up fitting was in red. But one of my pet peeves, uh, and this happened all through in development because I was on the development team, is... So, if you look at the philosophies of the colors, the color that cares the least about defenders, about walls, about is red. You know, white is all about defense, loves walls. Blue is about the long game, about thinking things through. It likes walls. You know, 
green, green clearly has some big things. It'll have some walls, some natural walls. It has plants and this and that. And even black understands the importance of, you know, having the regenerator or the thing to stop you. But red, red is like, attack, 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 attack. Red is like, no, 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 no. And, it, you know, red is never thinking about the future. A defender's all about the future. It's not about living in the moment. And so, um, I mean, I like that this card grants haste. That's red, you know. And it, it was an enabler to sort of get you to play things and attack with them. But um, the, the, the red wall theme, I, during, throughout development, I would constantly have little, little uh, tirades during development and go, why is this red? And then Matt, Matt Place was the head developer. Matt goes, he goes, I sympathize with you, Mark, but I have nowhere to move it. You know, it just kind of got carved into red, and it just was something that fit. And this happens sometimes in design or end development, where you have something and you kind of want to put it somewhere else, but, like, the set is full and there's really no place to easily move it, and it's where it is. And you're like, oh, we need it, and it fits, and yeah, it's probably supposed to be somewhere else, but, you know. And it's one of my, the, the bane of my existence is when, like, things aren't the way they should color pie wise and, and the defense is kind of like, well, we can't move it, you know. Like, but it shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, I, I will like the fact that it gives haste. It's one, at least one of the walls that encourages actual aggression, unlike some of the other red walls. Okay, next is Battle, Battle Rattle Shaman. It's a goblin shaman for 2-2, costs 3R. Beginning of upkeep, target creature gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. Um, so one of the strategies we ended up having is um, there is a strategy that have where you get little things and sneak them through. Um, I'll talk about it later, but the, 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 the cornerstone of this mechanic, um, uh, what was it called? It was called Goblin Tunneler. Um, so there, there are a bunch of ways to beef things and a ways to get some of the smaller stuff through. So there was a strategy where you had a bunch of smaller guys and you kept beefing them up. And so it wasn't that you made a giant guy, but that you're small guys. And so um, Battle Rattle Shaman was part of the strategy. It actually was pretty good. It was a pretty interesting card. Um, I mean, you could use it on anything for aggression. It didn't need to be on small things. Um, but it comboed really well with Goblin Tunneler. And it was definitely... There was, a, there was definitely a, a, a deck where... The, the, the value of this thing was kind of uh, the, the stack tricks and how you stacked it so you can make things unblockable and then make them bigger and, and such. Okay, Bear and Boar Umbra. Okay. Now, by the way, I, I like Rysola Drazi. Uh, I'm, I'm venting some today just because it's fun to vent because uh, venting is humorous commentary. But, uh, so as I vent, I, just, I, I will try to put in all the things they did like with the set, but I'm venting a little bit. So, Boar and Bear Umbra is one of my, one of my pet peeves is I hate names in sets, in the same set, that are just too close. For example, what set was it? There was a set that had Quick Sliver and Click Slither. And I tried so hard to get that change, and I could not. So this one, Bear Umbra, Boar Umbra, they're both green Umbras, Bear and Boar, like, you know. Uh, Okay, so Bear Umbra costs 2GG. Your creature gets plus 2, plus 2, and when it untaps, you can untap some lands. I think you can untap all your lands. Um, and then Boar Umbra is two and a green, and your creature gets plus three, plus three. And both of these are totem armor. Uh, totem armor means that when the creature would die, instead you sacrifice the aura, and you, you essentially save the creature. Um, so these are both... I mean, well, the, the names are similar because the Umbras were the, um, the totem armor. Uh, and, I mean, the idea of the flavor was that you took the shape of some larger creature, and so you got the essence of a boar or a bear. And I appreciate 
I, I like that flavor a lot. I just wish they had chosen two words that were not almost the same word. Um, it, it just caused confusion. You know, I play the boar umber, the bear umber, the boar umber, the boar umber, bear, bear umber, boar umber. Okay, I play the boar umber. You know, like, I, it just causes confusion. Um, one, one of the things that I, I constantly stress is the importance of words. Words are important. Words have meaning. Words do things. And you've got to be really careful of the connotation of things. So, okay. Next. Blood Throne Vampire. So, 1B for a 1-1 vampire. Sacred creature gets plus 2 plus 2 to end of turn. So, I don't think this is the first time we did this card. Um, it's possible this is the first time it's a 1-1. It might have been a 2-2 before. Um, but this is a good example of a card where it's flavorful, but then you stick it in the right environment and it just does other things. Um, so this... Uh, so one of the things we did with the Eldrazi is we segregated who got what. So people often ask that, which is, we do a cool new mechanic, and not everybody does the mechanic. Why can't everybody do the mechanic? And, and sometimes we spread the love, but sometimes it's like, oh, well, we want to break things up. We want colors to play differently. So in this set, black, red, and green leaned more toward the Eldrazi, and those were the three colors, in addition to colorless, that made Eldrazi spawn. Blue and white were a little more toward the Zendikari side, and they tended to play a little more with level up and, and auras, and you know, they were a little more of the building up. Um, on the creature side, where the Eldrazi side was more like get out giant Eldrazi. Um, so since black had the ability to make Eldrazi spawn, um, we wanted to give it a card, you know, black likes to sacrifice creatures already, so this was another way to make spawn useful, is as creatures. That, as far as the blood of the throne vampire cares, he doesn't care what the creature is, he doesn't care how big it is. Oh, it's only a zero one? Whatever, yum yum, chomp chomp. Um, and so this was a different way to make the spawn have value is as, as fodder, because um, black like to sack things. And so, um, and this is an example of a card where, I mean, this might be the first, I think the previous version was a 2-2, but a card like this we've done before, but just in this environment, it had a very different feel. Next, Bramble Snap, 1G, 1-1 Elemental, tap an untapped creature, and get plus one, plus one till end of turn. Um, and this is another example. This is the same sort of way to see you spawn in a way that's inventive. So there's a card called Lanawar Sentinel. Ooh, I'm impressed. I remember that name. Uh, and it allows you to tap creatures to make itself bigger. This is the same basic mechanic in green. Um, and the idea is, oh, well, the spawn, I can turn the spawn into pumping this creature up. And so this, it essentially turns the spawn into value uh, attack-wise. So if I have three spawn out, this guy becomes a 4-4. Four, four, you know? And even just the threat of spawn... Um, you know, it allows you to get through because the, the, you knew the audience, I mean, your opponent knew that you could make it bigger. Um, then we get to Brimstone Mage. Okay, so this is our first level-up guy. Um, I'm not going to... I decided to pick one or two level guys to talk about. Um, I chose him just because he, he was interesting to me. And once again, let me stress, it goes down the top of the power toughness on the top, on the first highest level on the card is the, is the original one. Uh, and then it goes down. And what we did is the first... So you had to have an ability called Level Up. And the Level Up ability, the way it worked was you had the first text box, then you added the second text box, then you added the third text box. And the rules were you gained everything you already had, except the power toughness would overrule it. But if you had something in the first text box, I believe you would get it in the second text box. Is that correct? I think so. That's why Level Up only had to be in the first text box, because you still had it in the second text box and the third. Um, Okay, so... At first, this creature, when you first play it, it's 2R, Human Shaman, it's a 2-2 creature. Uh, so it does, all it has is the level ability for 3 red. Now, level up has had to be kind of expensive because uh, 
the value of being like, be able to play a 2R2-2. That is a, a great ogre. Not a great creature, but it's not a horrible creature. Um, I mean, it, it's a little below the curve, but it's, it's something that, like, the fact that it has value, I mean, it's a lot of value. It can turn into something very powerful. Okay, so then you pay the level, and every time you pay a level, you get a level counter. And then when you reach a certain number of levels, um, so for example, this one, level one to two, <coughs> as soon as you have one level um, token, uh, counter, or two level counters, it turned into a Tim. It turned into a prodigal pyromancer, if you will. Uh, taps to do one damage to target creature or player. Okay, so all you have to do is, you put it up for two R, it's a two-two. You spend three R once, it becomes uh, a creature that can tap to do damage. Okay, now, when you get to three plus, and the reason, by the way, we said plus, people are like, well, why did you say three level is... Um, there are sometimes other reasons why you might make them over a, a, the maximum. Um, and so we just, just for clarity, like we didn't want you somehow making it a fourth level who go, well, it loses all its abilities. Now it's not level... F-. So we said level three plus just for cl- clarity. When you get to level three... Oh, level one and two, by the way, not only did it gain the, uh, the tap do damage ability, it also went from a two two to a two three. Then on the... the three plus scale, it turns into a two four and it taps to do three damage to target creature or player. So there's a lot going on, by the way. So aesthetically, for example, notice that we were trying to make the evolution make sense. So it goes from a two two to a two three to a two four. Um, also, we decided to make it into do one damage and then we jumped to three damage, trying to make an exciting um, make the, the final ability exciting. Uh, and so the idea is this thing starts small, it's not particularly strong. With a little bit of investment, you get more value out of it. And with a lot of investment, so you have to pay 2R to get it into play, and then you have to play 3R three times, so that's 12 mana. So 12 mana plus your initial 3, 15 mana, you got a 3-power guy. I mean, you can do 3 damage. That's very powerful. Now, a lot of people wanted to look at it and they go, wow, for 15 mana, shouldn't I get more than that? I'm like, no, no, no. You're forgetting the opportunity cost, which for starters means you got a 2-2 creature when you played this. You then, after you spend a little bit of mana, you got uh, a Tim. You, you were able to do da- one damage. That was valuable. That had value. And then eventually you were able to upgrade it. So the big difference here is opportunity cost means that whenever I had mana, I was able to make use of the mana. I didn't have to do it all at once. I didn't have to wait till I got 15 mana on the table. I could use it when I got it. And so that is a lot different. It's not like it costs 15 mana and it taps deals three. That's a different card. And a lot worse card than this. Okay, next. Brood Warden. Three green and green. Four, four. Eldrazi Drone. Eldrazi Spawn. Get plus two, plus one. Um, so this was part of the green uh, overrun with spawn strategies. Like the idea is get a lot of spawn out, and then I need a finisher card. And this is one of the cards that you could do to help do the finishing. Is, oh, I get a whole bunch of spawn out. Now all my spawn go from zero, one into two, twos. Notice it's plus two, plus one, because it goes with spawn, and spawn all have a, you know, a zero, one. It gives you a stat, so it squares them. Makes it nice and easy. Um, and, then, and like I said, one of the things you'll see about spawn is they go through it, like Bloodthrow Vampire, Bramble Snap, a Brood Warden. They all really do really different things with it. And that's one of the neat things about the spawn. Okay, Cast Through Time. It's an enchantment. Because four blue, blue, blue. So it's four colors, three blue. All your instants and sorcerers gain rebound. So remember, rebound is a mechanic that says when you cast a spell, it goes off right now, and it goes off the beginning of next turn. Um, so one of the things we like to do, it's fun, is to take our mechanics and go, everything that's applicable like, gains this mechanic. So this mechanic only appeared in instants and sorceries, so obviously there's only granted instants and sorceries. But in general, uh, in some ways, it's kind of forked all your spells. I mean, it forks one of the, forks, one of the copies is later, it's the next turn. Um, but the other fun thing, and the reason this is 
this is the kind of card that can be appreciated on many different levels. I think the spikes out there are just like, okay, I double all my effects. That's good. You know, and, and even to the Timmies, doubling is good. But to the Johnnies out there, it's like, hmm, well, what spells can I get in, you know, what spells can I do neat things with, you know, and, and this has a lot of fun build around me. It's like, well, if I could add rebound to any spell, ooh, what spells would I want to add rebound to? And I see some very fun decks with Cast of Time. Uh, it, it was never super powerful, but it was fun, which is what it was designed to be. Corpse Hatch, 3BB Sorcery. Destroy target non-black creature and get two spawn. So one of the things they did with the spawn is we put them as rider on a lot of cards. And so this is a card that, you know, 3BB, three, 3 BB, three black, black, is... Uh, although, it's funny. We Early in the day, we used to make all kill very cheap. And we finally got to the realization that limited was more interesting if, for limited, not all the kills were so cheap. The ones meant for constructed were on the cheaper side. Um, and this is definitely something like, okay, we like having slightly more expensive kill spells, but, oh, we can use some extra rider on it. So it could cost five mana, but, oh, it nets you some, some tokens. And the thing about the Adrazi is it's okay to have mana production stemming from larger spells. Like, this is a five-mana spell. But the things you're trying to get on the Adrazi side are really big. So it's okay that in the five mana, I'm reducing more mana. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, one more time. <coughs> Good tonight. Okay. Um, yeah, and one thing I'm trying to point out is that uh, your mana ramping is very, very different in the set where you're trying to build to the giant, giant things. And that a lot of times having five mana spells that get you more mana, well, what's that going to do for you? How big a spell are you going to cast? In normal environments, maybe not that much. In this environment, oh, well, I cast a five cast spell t- this turn. I get two, draw, yeah, two spawn. Maybe, maybe I get a land next turn. I, I could cast an eight mana thing next turn. And even then, I haven't even asked the Titans yet. There's, I still need some more mana before I get to the Titans. Okay, Daggerback Vascos, 2G, 2-2, Death Touch. So what's this doing there? So one of the things we definitely wanted to make sure was um, we wanted to get answers to the big giant creatures. I get a giant Eldrazi out. So the reason we like Death Touch better than, say, like a, just too many kill spells is that this card, it's an answer. If you get it out, your opponent ha- can't just attack with their um, Eldrazi, but... It doesn't it instantly destroy it. It kind of puts... It, 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 negate, it negates it. It sort of, like, makes them find their next answer. And so rather than remove the Odrazi, it stalls them until they look for the answer to this problem. Um, but when they find the answer, then they can get rid of it and then attack again. And so it does a good job of sor- sort of... Instead of just completely dealing with the problem, it's sort of... It's an answer to the problem that can be answered. And having answers with answers helps a lot when you're trying to sort of build up Battlecruiser magic. Next, Distortion Strike. So, Sorcery for Blue. Target creature gets plus one, plus oh, and is unblockable, and has Rebound. Um, so, this this was my favorite Rebound card. Uh, it was really, really interesting and limited. Um, there was a red-blue archetype. I talked about this earlier with... Um, uh, I forget the name of it. The one that gave plus two, plus oh, at the beginning of every upkeep. Um, where you had these creatures, and you sort of uh, buffed them and made them unblockable, and sort of snuck through with a lot of small guys. It's my favorite deck to draft in this environment. Uh, and it was a quirky deck, and had, it's one of those decks where you had to understand the pieces to it, where we gave you all the pieces, but you had to understand what they were, and like this was, this was a key spell in the deck. Um, and then the neat thing about it was, it wasn't one of, like, the, the Eldrazi had this rampant giant Eldrazi, and there was, uh, you know, level-up guys, and there was an aura plan, but this was just a little bit different. It wasn't the straight and narrow, and we the development definitely played off this theme. This was one of my favorite decks, and we, we snuck up, we snuck some key spells in to make it work, and this was one of them. And, you know, it was my favorite, this was my favorite, my favorite draft, uh, 
when I used to, I'm very famous in R&D in that I figure out one thing I can do well in draft because I'm not, I'm not quite as strong as most R&D and they come from the pro tour. So my strategy is I figure out one strategy that I, I know I can do that I can learn and get good at. And that way when I'm drafting with them, you know, I, I have my one strategy that I understand what I'm supposed to be doing with it. Um, makes it predictable. They know what I'm drafting, but, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not as talented a drafter as most of the rest of R&D for those that did not know. Domestication, 2UU Aura, Enchant Creature, gain control target creature, and then at the end of any turn, if you have power 4 or greater, it falls off. Um, so one of this thing was, it's a means to deal with smaller creatures, but um, if, your, if your opponent has ways to, to get it bigger, you, know, it, you can't steal big things, you can only steal small things. And there are ways to make small things bigger to knock this off. So we, we liked the idea that not only, it could have just said enchant power 3 or less. So why did we do it the way we did it? Because we liked that there were means that you could put auras on your... Let's say your opponent steals your creature. Well, you could put an umbra on it or something to make it big enough, and then you get it back. Or you could giant growth or you know, some sort of giant growth boosting thing to get it back. That It just had neat, neat interactions. And, and one of the things that's fun is sometimes you want to do things just a straight and narrow way, and sometimes you just want to chick up a little bit, uh, just have a combo with things, you know, tweak around. And, and this one definitely has a lot of fun where you steal stuff, but there's ways to get it back. There are not traditional ways that you deal with control magic. Next, Drana Kal- Kalastria, Blood Chief. Cause three black black, legendary creature, vampire shaman, four four flyer. For XBB, target creature gets minus X minus zero, and she gets plus X plus zero. I'm sorry, gets minus zero minus X, and she gets plus X plus zero. So this card is one of those cards where we do a lot of fun mirroring things. Uh, she gets to kill things, and while killing things, she grows stronger. The flavor, obviously, is that she's... She's, you know, a vampire, and she's attacking them, and as she drains their blood, they die, and she gets stronger. Um, but the other thing I like, this is the aesthetics of thing, the fact that one is, you know, it's minus zero, minus X, and she's plus X, plus zero. It just, there's a nice parallel there. Um, there's a mirror, which is sort of fun. And I, I talk about this a lot, but the, the reason aesthetics are important is not so much, it, it just creates the sort of central sense that things... Things work. It's kind of like when you read a poem, uh, or, or just when you read prose of any kind. There are a lot of things that you learn as a writer or as a poet that just make things more feel better. Because when the, when behind the scenes the structure just sort of matches, you know, when you use alliteration or when you you watch your meter or you use certain word choice, that it just has an effect. That there are things that you can do that have an effect on your audience. And if you want to be an artist. One of the things you do is you want to understand what those things are because the audience might not even be consciously aware why things feel better to them, but they do. And so why does design care so much about aesthetics? It just makes things feel better. The fact that this is minus O, minus X, and then plus X, plus O, it has this nice little balance to it. It just feels better. The car, even if you're not consciously aware of it, you know, the aesthetics, it's kind of like, ah, oh, just, you know, and people do notice. I'm not saying people never notice, but it's the kind of thing that just, in general, us being careful of aesthetics. And as I talked about, like, with um, the level-up guys, like the 2-2, two, 2-3, two, 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 I spent a lot of time on the level-up guys trying to make sure that the, the, as much as I could, I mean, development had to change a few things for power reasons, but I tried to make sure that there was an evolution, that my rule to them was if I showed you the first level-up and the second level-up, that you could make some, some guess at what the third level-up is, that there's a pattern that you're sort of following. Um, and I tried really hard because, like I said, I, I, I'm one of the biggest believers of, of the importance of aesthetics. Next, Eel Umbra. It's a 1U aura. Uh, it's flash, plus 1, plus 1, 2-year-inch creature, chant creature, and it's totem armor. Um, and this is a good example of using... 
one of the things about auras that are very interesting is that you definitely can use auras in lots of different ways. Uh, and this card, in some ways, kind of is a, a counterspell. I mean, it's a counterspell that protects your creatures from certain types of things. Um, it also is a combat trick. Um, so it, it, it has a bunch of different functions. You know, for example, let's say I just know my creature is going to die. You're going to cast a spell and kill my creature. I could flash this on and just, essentially, it's like, you know, uh, countering the spell that kills my creature because the umber will, the, the, um, the uh, totem armor will die and save the creature. And so, but they didn't see that coming because it had flash. Um, other side is a combat trick where I can, all of a sudden my creature is plus one, plus one, you didn't expect it. Um, or, you know, my creature is plus one, plus one, I'm able to kill your creature, and then even if my creature would die, now it doesn't die. Um, so there's a lot of... I mean, Eel Umber is a good example of a pretty simple card. There's not a lot of words on the card. I mean, okay, it's got Totem Armor, so... Uh, but it, it's... As, as uh, Totem Armor cards go, it's pretty simple. Flash plus one, plus one. And that, those... There's a lot going on there. There's a lot you can do with Flash and plus one, plus one. It is, it is surprising kind of, uh, of the, the value that you can get. Okay, well, I'm pulling into the parking space. So, um, anyway, how far did I get? I got to E. <laughs> okay, guys, this might be a, a longer series. But anyway, uh, uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love going through cards, remembering things, and talking about what we did. And I, 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 These, these uh, podcasts are very popular. That's why I, I, I do them and why I, I've decided to do long versions of them. Like, in the beginning, I did, you know, I would do the whole set in one thing, and I just wasn't getting to a lot of things, and people seemed to enjoy the story. So, I will continue doing that. So, anyway, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, and, as much as I love talking about magic history and magic design, even more, I like making magic. So, it's time for me to go. Talk to you guys next time.